welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. And I think we're recording. Oh. What happened to the metronome? The metronome is dead. Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Back together with my old buddy. Hey, yo. Father John, Father Nathan. Chaz. Back in the Schloss Goebel. Denver, Colorado. Man, it's good to be home. Yeah, it's been a while. When was the last time you recorded? Ooh, recorded Licky, I think, in April, May. But with you, it's been a long time. With the with the American crew. The American crew. Oh, not what? this. Not this. Dominican. We got to talk about this. You getting your own little Dominican friend? We saw this. We saw this in Rome. Yeah. Oh, Danaher, man. Oh, yeah. Danaher no, was amazing. Be careful. Yeah, be careful. What? Sensitive. It's like you're messing with a different family now. All right. You know. I know. So I got my little Dominican friend, Licky. Like, and then you got to go get your little Dominican friend. You set us up. I'm just saying. Just getting tricky, right? Danaher and I, it, it's been a, Father Danaher, it's been a, um, we fell hard for each other, you know? <laughs> and uh, I just told him, I can't quit you. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Okay. These headphones are really big. Are they big on you? Well, I think they're fit to your mullet. That's why. All right. Well, I, uh, this is funny because we're usually not sitting straight across from each other. It feels like a business kind of meeting here. Business like, transaction. Yeah. So, but the beer nuts are on the table. Jelly beans, regular crap everywhere. Yep. Extra soundboard. We actually got this thing recording a first whole, thought. A whole nother set of microphones that he <laughs> brought back from Rome. Yep. Oh, that's a new de- that's a new desk over there. That's pretty nice. How many pairs of cowboy boots does Olaf own? This is uh, Peter's room. Oh, Peter Sursich. Hey, Laura Sursich, thank you for the uh, bourbon. That's right. We're drinking it right now. To Peter's mom, longtime podcast listener, thank you. Nostrovia. Nostrovia Sursich. Well, we're back. When was the last time you recorded an American podcast? Oh, I got kind of blacklisted, you know? No, Seek. Seek? Is that right? Yeah. I, I was back in March, but I guess not. We didn't do anything. Did we? I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. It's been a little spotty lately. Uh, summers are tricky because we've got travel going on. Goebel's been holding down the fort with Olaf. We but might. I mean, I know people are upset about it, but, you know, TGIF, they would have new episodes and then they would do reruns over the summer. Right. I'm tempted. Well, we're kind of operating on the sitcom model, except year-round. It's kind of like... But we're, we're actually not even like a sitcom, because sitcoms are seasonal, right? Right. We're like days of our life. It's like we're expecting this every day at 11 a.m. Exactly. For the next 50 I years. I just preached on days of our lives uh, today. Really? As was that the one, through the hourglass. Was that the one Skylar York's dad was in? John J. York? No, he's in uh, General Hospital. General Hospital. My mom watched General Hospital. I watched so yeah, so we're outdated is what we're doing. We're we're operating like a uh, what do you call those things? Soap opera. Soap opera. Not even a sitcom. What we should be doing is like Stranger Things. They just drop ten episodes on the same day. Mm. Do that three times a year. Is it out yet? I think it's out as of yesterday. Wow! But I just got back from the mountains. I haven't seen any of them. So from Tell You Rad sitcom, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, it's the thirtieth anniversary of Seinfeld's uh, first episode. Mm. And so they had Seinfeld 30 years. day at the Mets ballpark, and he threw out the first pitch for the Mets. Nice. And Keith Hernandez was in the booth. Keith, Keith Hernandez. Her- oh, Keith the Keith Hernandez, the Magic Loogie. Was that the one who spit exactly. on Kramer? Yeah. Right. The Magic Loogie. That's 30 years, man. That's We're getting old. I was quoting some movies this weekend. I was with um, Catherine Arnn and company, Connor, um, you know them. Yeah, yeah. You had the. I didn't know you were with them. They were passing through. They wanted to do a fourteener, but uh, a lot of snow up in the mountains still. You exercised prudence. Yeah, 
and didn't do it? With Catherine, I do. Nobody else, though, you know? She's like the... Uh, it's like if you and I, if you died on a mountain, I'd be sad. Like it would be, it'd be a sad thing that happened. Right. If she did, I would never, probably never get over that. So, so I have to exercise more prudence with her. I'm really comforted by that thought, John. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm making these references. Nobody's laughing. You know, they're like, "What's the name of those cliffs right there?" As we're climbing this peak, and I said, "Those are the cliffs of insanity." No laugh. And I was like, "Anybody, Princess Bride?" Right. It's a classic. It's like. It's like a timeless movie. You I know? said to somebody the other day, I'm waiting. <laughs> waiting. But they didn't get it. No response. Yeah, it was that. I mean, you know, it's the typical Happy Gilmore every five five lines or so is going to be a Happy Gilmore quote. Nothing. Just crickets. Right. It's like these little babies, man. We're getting old, Gobes. We're getting old fast. It happens. Yep, it happens. I've, I think, I've, I, think I, I used to look down upon certain people who only had cultural references up until like like 98 or something and then that was when they sort of checked out usually people who are legionnaires yeah like they they can tell you everything about culture until like a certain year and then it's like a black hole yeah my Um, brother steve loved that father nackvasil dropped in Mm -hmm. independence day was the last film he saw in 1995 or whatever yep comes out of the legion in like whatever 2007 he's quoting independence day it's like these kids weren't even born Great movie, though, you know? Right. Whenever you have the President of the United States flying some kind of, you know, F-15 or something. I only saw that like four years ago. Or Harrison Ford punching the bad guy out of the plane. I think that was Air Force One. That was Air Force One, yeah. yeah. But anyways, it's like, what happened to these This is my plane. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. I always quote quote, uh, The Rock. The Rock. But but yeah, Nicolas Cage is on his like sixth wife now. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that one, pal. Yeah. He's yeah. He's not having a good. He's not having a good run. He needs Father Nathan Goebel's marriage retreat. <laughs> he needs gonna... my annulment paperwork. <laughs> is what he needs. The um, I think what we need to do is hang out with more Gen Xers though, because I was with my cousin Brian O'Reilly, who's fifty. Oh yeah. And like his quotes were like, foom, foom, right over my head. I was like, what is he talking about? But uh, yeah, so I think maybe that would help us kind of recontextualize some. But we're back. We're getting the band back together. That's right. You're holding down the fort. Schloss Goebbels. It's looking good. It's yeah, looking it's, good. It's a little it's a little slice of heaven. Yeah. People uh will stop by. I've had a number of people stop by to, you know, say hello or they're passing through for vacation or whatever else. And then they're like, Is the rectory nearby? And I'm like Funny. Yeah. And then there there's kind of like a pause like uh, Waiting we, to get over. Can we can we can we see it? You're I'm not like, gonna see it. I'm like, no. No way. Because here's a Jolly Rancher. Be on your merry way. <laughs> Is that what you're handing out for Mass now? No, actually, um, I've I've run out of things to give away. Um, I have given away... I gave away my last bag of watermelon Big League Chew. Yeah, you had 85 of those, I think, right? I, at Cabrini, I had over over 90, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I've given away my last bag. Um, and uh, a family came through the other day and... I was like, you know what? I got to give him cash because that's all I got. Just straight up cash from the podcast? I gave him, well, I gave him straight up cash because like, they have nine kids. We are loving loving getting gifts. We shouldn't uh, you know, down that. Oh, I don't, I don't down it I was at telling all. funny stories about some of the great random stuff. Somebody was asking about the uh, Kayla. I'm going to give her a shout out in a second. But she was asking, tell me the story of the loon clock. And it was like Geshikta, you know? It was like, this is like the Haggadah moment, you know? That's who I married this weekend. I know. Yeah. Hey, 
Here's a uh, toast to, to, to Lori, Lori, no longer brown. Lori. Hey. Hey. Yeah, I have no idea how to say his last name, except uh, I've been told you just say it fast and nobody knows. Hey. Lori. Hey. H-U-Y. Hey. Hey. H-U-I, but it's not hui. Uh, hey. 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 She's, in, she's in Hong Kong right now. Wow. And I'm like, be careful. We did a podcast on the Painted Veil that begins in Hong Kong. Basta. You remember. That's right. Well, man, I feel disconnected from the podcast world, so it's good to be back with you guys. It feels a bit surreal, though, to be back. It's been four years. You're- when I left for Rome, you were still living at St. Francis Cabrini. You had yet to take over your, your throne here. True. Your throne of glory. That's right. Your game of thrones here. Well, I still had a whole nother year. Yeah, I know. But it's crazy to think about that. Gronsky was still living. Gronsky was still living. Glenn was still living. I had a mullet. You I did you have a mullet? I had the beginnings of a mullet. Yeah. That started rudi- in, that started in November. It was in rudimentary form. Uh, November of that year. Yeah, See, that's form. what happened. I move away and he's, he just falls apart. You know, physically first and then emotionally second. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> the uh Donald Trump wasn't present. I mean, yeah. there's some crazy things that's that have happened. It's crazy. 4 years. Well, we're coming up on 10 years of the podcast, which is crazy. So, if we get our act together, we'll actually do something, in, do something interesting. Like an Oktoberfest, we can invite everybody to. Ding, ding. In Milwaukee. Oh, now we're talking. I'm I'm in love with Milwaukee. Father Luke and Father... Well, Father Jacob would probably not be interested, but Luke Strand would definitely host us. Yeah. He's on silent retreat now, 30 days. Oh, nice. Pray for Father Luke Strand and all the priests who are on the uh, IPF 30-day uh, right now. Hmm. Yep. Um, I, I've wanted to do the Bourbon Trail. Right. Um, I wanted to do the bourbon trail. In well, maybe you should be nicer to Austin Lickey if you want to do the bourbon trail. Why? Where is he? He's from Kentucky. What? Yeah. Austin, you're such a great guy. Father That's, Austin. Oh my God, you're such a great guy. You're such a great friend. Father Lickey, you're such a great friend. Okay. I listen to all your podcasts while you're over there. <laughs> oh, you're such a punk. I am happy to see very little has changed. I listen to the podcast when I do laundry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm kind of one of those people that don't get ahead of laundry. I wear everything and then it's time. And then it's time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, at least you listen. I never had a commute, so I never listened. No offense, man. I'll be listening again. I promise. I enjoy yours. You know, enjoy everybody. It's great. But, uh, I've been out of it for a bit. I've been out of the game. So you're also uh, doing an excessive amount of banter right now. Oh, are we over the top? Oh, way over the top. Yeah. For you, normally your little, you know, stepogram on your watch is going off. All right. Done with the banter, huh? All right. Just so much to talk about. <laughs> Such a good friend. I know. You're funny. You're do you funny. know that do you know that women who dye their hair, uh, it costs around a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. I gather I that. have no idea. Yeah. How often do you have to get that done? Is it kinda like an oil change? Oh, I think it's less than thirty thousand miles. 30,000 steps. What? I think uh, wow. monthly. I think they do it monthly. Right. I didn't know most monthly? women. I didn't know most women dyed their hair until like maybe five years ago. Like just no idea. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Some of our friends are getting grays and it looks nice. I'm trying to encourage it. I'm trying to get you back on the on the Cali train. Uh, back on the Cali train? Yeah. She moved locations. You know, she's close. Throwing me off. She didn't. She didn't even notify. I didn't even get a. You know, you didn't stop by Arvada. (laughs) By the way, I'm still in enemy territory. Everybody thinks I'm still in enemy enemy territory. Cali Spa is like 300 pounds, smokes Marlboro 100s, 
and uh, wears like turquoise cowboy boots. She's actually fairly normal. Right. Um, so I don't know where. Where did that come from? Who's ever said Wunch? that? Wunch. Wunch said to me, Wunch. He, goes, he goes, you're Callie? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, I thought you'd be. We've all said that. You're Callie. Yeah. Right. She's, yeah. Her and Luke are great. Luke is Luke. The, Luke I, there's is Luke. no, There's no surprise about Luke. Are they in Italy right now still? No, they got back. They're in North Dakota. Hey, I'm sick. By of the this, way, you're way over your banter time. By can the I, way, can I tell them real quick? Because they're gonna, they're not gonna hear this uh, on the podcast for a while. But I just gotta get it out there. Right. I was supposed to go to North Dakota with them next year. Apparently, we're going on a cruise next year. Who's we? Mom, 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 and Mike and Ashley and their oh. kids. July fourth through 9th. July fourth through 9th. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. You're going on a cruise where? I don't know. Why do you want to do this again? I've never actually taken a vacation with my mom. Oh, okay. So mom's idea. It wasn't your it was idea. It's mom's idea. That's yeah. Fine. It's I mean, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by it, but it's also like this could be like you're gonna put me and my sister on a boat together. Yeah. Like, no neither of us is coming off. Sounds like an Agatha Christie novel waiting to happen. <laughs> Double murder. So okay. I'm not going I'm not going to North Dakota next year. Not I know going to North upset. Dakota. I was supposed to go. But. Well, you can go like for the next fifty years then. Be that guy. He's got his playmates in Arvada. Goebel's very interesting. He's he's very selective. He kind of surveys everything. He just watches, and then, boom, when you're in, you're in. And with Callie and Luke, whatever it was, they're in. But they're in the, they're in the uh, inner sanctum for sure. True. But the other thing is the Heatons, the Heatons have a July 4th tradition that is like it's becoming sort of habitual where I want to do it every year, where they do slip and slide wiffle ball. Was that last year we were in Lander, Wyoming? Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, I that can't, was like I can't do that again. That was like being in for a while. I would. I don't know what it's like to be in Vietnam, but it probably was like just it was like everything bombs everywhere. Like five year olds throwing M eighties at each other. Yes, it was absolutely insane. Apparently, if you if you place an M eighty next to a crawdad, they'll pinch it with their pinchers, and then you run away, and then that's the end of the crawdad. That's an interesting fact. I didn't know that, and somebody was reminding me of that. Well, we're way over our banter at this point. Okay. So, are you ready, folks? You ready for the topic that's not been prepared? To the topic. To the topic. All right. So, I uh, this is a bit autobiographical, and as you met, know, I just wrote a large meta. paper. So, anyways, just wrote this like long <laughs> book, and uh, I just wanted to talk about it. Jerk. <laughs> I said. I said to Blaha, I was like, you should stick in a page of like just like random drawings of <laughs> of what? Go ahead. Like doesn't really matter, <laughs> like sheep, goats, right. droppings, etc. And just ask people if they've, you know, read your thesis. Right. Just throw in like, yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting. The, the tradition is you put a fifty dollar bill into it when you consign it into the library and then you come back ten years later, pick it up and Buy your lunch at a Brutzi with really, it. yeah, because nobody reads these Did you things. Do it? No, I I haven't consigned it yet. So the dissertation's in, and I don't really want to talk about this right now. I'll, I'll probably share it at some point. But the dissertation dissertation's in. I'm going back on October 9th. I don't even know if I told you that for the defense. So I'll be back for a week. John Henry Newman is being canonized on the 13th. Whoa, which is awesome. So I'm excited to be there. Hopefully, I can get into that. Kind of making my way in with the Newman Society, Newman Friends. Center in Rome. That's not exactly a wild group. Yeah. Newman Society. So <laughs> they get crazy. They start with triples, right? Of exactly, vodka, and then they get wish. crazy. I was trying to quote that guy, your uh, favorite 
persona, not Dude. a real person. Persona, Dude. the unpreten- the unpenitential penitent from Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So, anyways, dissertation's in. Going back for the defense, but uh, right at the end, I was waiting for the second um, second reader to get back. So they have a a blind reader who then gives feedback, and you have to change all those things, and then you can consign. But you have to physically turn in the copies before you can leave, before you can get the defense right. date. So I figure printed it off for so you. So I figure six weeks, right? Because according to the, the student handbook, you have 15 days for the second reader to get it and then to give you the feedback, 15 working days. So on the 30th of April, my director signs off on the dissertation. Boom. I have a plane ticket to fly home on the 13th of, July, of, Jan, of June, six weeks. I'm thinking, no problem, right? Italy? Italy, exactly. Yeah. Why have I not learned my lesson? And the thing about Italians is they have figured out no offense to Irene Tagliolili or um, um, I have a couple of friends over there who might be listening. But, um, yeah, so they, Romans, I should say, when they can sense that somebody is kind of getting pushy Anxious. on a deadline, yeah. Oh, yeah. what do they do? Yeah. What do you do? Oh, I do the same thing. Entrench. Shut it down. Exactly. Just go. Exactly. System shut down. Yeah, I just don't answer anything. Oh, oh you have a timeline? Uh, oh, watch oh. this. Uh, I'm just going to rip it up. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh. Yeah. What was that date? Oh, okay, great. So anyways, I finally am like despairing and it's the Monday before I'm going to leave. I'm leaving on the Thursday and I'm like, it's the feast of Our Lady Mother of the Church. This is like my feast day for the thing. I'm like, it's going to happen today. Coop's like, it's not going to happen today. It's going to happen tomorrow on the feast of Our Lady Humility, which is three days before. It's Tuesday and I'm leaving Thursday. Sure enough, Boom! It comes on the feast of Our Lady Humility. Why? What's Our Lady of Humility? Uh, that's a Roman thing. That's oh, okay. our our. Um, that's your street. That's our street. Yep. Yeah. I lived on the Way of Humility for four years, literally and physically. And we're gonna see if it had any effect. Any folks. effect? <laughs> 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 Could you give me another drink? Actually, I just no. got back from Rome and I'm just like so dehydrated. Oh my God! Could you just go on with this story? <laughs> um, so the uh, I get it back. Thirty six hours. It's in. And Eusterman uh, has to take it to the uh, sh- the print shop. And, of course, the Italians, what else do they do? It's in. Everything's fine. It's signed. But uh, it's the wrong color. What? Yeah. I spent $200 printing seven 443-page books. Turn it's the, it's the wrong. This is the wrong color. This is the wrong color. This isn't even the right binding. And I was like, nobody said it's supposed to be this, this kind of binding. So, fortunately, I had my – Eusterman is like the man when it comes to dealing with Italians. So, he just – he made it happen. But – he got a lot of flack. Another $200? No, it just, they took it. They received it, so it's in, and I'm going to get hell at the at the d- defense for this, but whatever. Was it like purple font? <sighs> Lavender, you know? Lavender, <laughs> yep. So I think that the uh, dissertation's in, <laughs> but right before that, I was waiting for this thing to happen. I was thinking, it's my timeline. I'm watching my timeline's kind of fall apart here. Everything is like falling, because it's been four years of work to this, right to the deadline, and this is the week before, so I hadn't gotten it back from the second reader. I'm despairing at this point, and I'm like, because if I go home, there's no way to print these copies. Eusterman left the following day, right? And it's like, it's I'm gone. And Rome basically shuts down for the summer, July, August, at least the universities. Yep. So then I'm looking at, Eusterman goes back in September, then he has to print everything, consign everything, and that's a pain for him, and it's already September, then it's like we're looking into the new year, and it's 2020, and I'm just like, this is a mess. So I'm at... So, I have a couple days before um, this all, the last week. And my cousin Allie, who's up in Paris, it's her 28th birthday. 
And I said, why don't you come down to Rome? And uh, it's like our last weekend. Sean Conroy was in town. We were hanging out with the guys. And then I was like, we can go anywhere you want. Let's just go spend your birthday. Her birthday was on a Tuesday. I said, let's go where you want to go. She says, uh, I'd love to go to Toulouse. And I was like, Toulouse? Okay, south of France. I said, I have a friend, Beatrice Sullivan, who has a sister who lives in the south of France. And I think she'd put us up. You want to go stay there? Sure. Okay. So this is where the story becomes, the, the name of this podcast is the Chateau de la Rode, which is the name of their chateau, their castle, right? Mm. Beatrice's sister and Violaine and her husband, Benoit. And Benoit is like half you, half Matt Book. If I could put them together. Yeah, it's a weird, he's a weird hybrid. So very interesting, very good guy. They're working in Paris. Mary and they're like, I think they're maybe early 30s they get married. And they have these high, these kind of, you know, big time professional jobs. And they just realize they're like, what is our passion? What are we living for? What do we want to do? We want to have, um, our dream is to f- get an old castle in the south of France and to rebuild it ourselves and to make it a place of community and for weddings and all kinds of different kind of things. And so they do it. They drop their jobs, move to Languedoc, which I think is where Thomas Merton lived. Do you remember that from, I don't know. You know I haven't read it. You're not there. Okay. Um, and so they, they bought this thing. and uh, A castle. A castle. Let me show you a picture, though, because it's not like, it's like, um, it's a castle, but it's not like, uh, I don't know. It's not like fairy Does it tale. it look like a white castle? No. That's what it looks like. Wow. Describe that. Uh, That's like a chateau villa. Right. Yeah. It's like... Well, uh, chateau is the French word for castle. Um, But not castle in the sense that like... Right. It's not like... You're thinking of like uh, Neuschwanstein castle, right? Yeah. It's not like that kind of castle. This is a... Yeah. It's just... It's a big manor. Right. It's not Downton-esque. It's not Downton Abbey. Are you going to make that the picture? Sure. Oh so you guys can see the photo. So anyways, they, they moved to this place. And uh, so I write Violaine through. Beatrice has been telling me for two years, you got to go visit Beat, uh, Violaine and Benoit in, in the south of France. you got to go to Chateau de la Rode. I'm like, whatever. You know, I'll go there whenever. I had met Violaine years ago, but it was kind of like one of these things, like not going to happen. So uh, Allie and I get on a plane, we fly to Toulouse. Violaine comes and picks us up. It's an hour drive, takes us back, and... This is French the whole time. Yeah. So we get three nights with them at this place, and I'm telling you, apart from the hospitality of Schloss Goebel, which I have enjoyed in excess in the last uh, several years, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Hmm. And I, I, they just were incredibly um, hospitable in the midst of like chaos, like the so the the chateau uh, monk Cistercian monks moved there in nine forty five, I think, is the year. So into that, that house, the first monks on that property, tenth century, I think he said nine forty five. Benoit, if he hears this, he'll correct me. So it was a Cistercian monastery until the Reformation, and then afterwards it kind of falls into because you remember you know Languedoc, the south of France, is kind of tricky. It's like the Cathars are down there. We went to Carcassonne for a day for Ali's birthday. And um, so it falls into these hands of these different kind of Protestant families. And then it falls into disrepair about 100 years ago. And then they, they pick it up and they start building it. But they're doing all the work themselves. And this is the first thing I was really struck by was I was like, in, in the United States, what we do is like, we just say, we have, if we have the money, then we hire somebody. And they just, you know, my parents wanted a yeah. fire pit. And by the way, you're in trouble because... 
tell Nathan he's not returning my phone calls. This is for my mother and every other woman in your life. <laughs> you can you can look at my messages right now. They're just lined up. Tell Nathan we have a fire pit in the ba- in the backyard. So, anyways, my parents want to put a fire pit in. So, what do they do? They hire their friends and they, they build a fire pit. Yeah. Nice. It's a great thing. Benoit and Violaine are doing all the work themselves, and they have a little guy who's five, I think, Henri, and he's kind of the king of the castle. But this thing is out in the country, so he's like literally this, the king. It's just him and the, and the dogs and the, and the peacocks. You know, there's peacocks everywhere. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. so the uh, I woke up to that sound actually. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. The uh, so the point of all of this is to say that I, I had a my, great vacation. I had a, just a great vacation in South France. No, <laughs> my life is collapsing. Four years of work. Sure. Uh, and I come into this community of people who are very comfortable living in kind of a construction zone. Yeah. And the grace was to say the chat. Like the chateau is my life. It's the it's the it's the vocation. It's the academic work. It's everything. It's just under construction, and it was so contrary to everything that I did, and everything that I is I'm kind of hardwired to do as a German, which is to say, you have to get everything done, and then you can enjoy people and enjoy life. Once you have your inboxes fill, you know cleaned up, this is why I wanted to podcast with you because I'm gonna subtly indirectly and you know try my best not to honor you but it's going to happen Go because on. you're living this here Go on. in this place which is a mess a lot of the time so they live in this mess zone. they live in a construction zone construction and life zone. and life is a mess yep. and the chateau doesn't have like electricity in parts it doesn't have like running water in parts part of it is beautiful like Allie's room they had finished and it was amazing right but what was I was struck by was the the connection between their ability to live in the poverty of the chateau and the connection with hospitality mm, yeah. and the way that they were to extend hospitality because that that it's it, this is, again this is very autobiographical it's very hard to explain but i i just i couldn't believe the way they were they were treating us and i couldn't believe the way they were living they were just so comfortable in the mess of their life and there's a mysterious connection there. There's a, there, I think there's a deep Christian intuition around how does that lend itself into hospitality and how does the, the rejection of poverty and the messiness of our own life lead to the kind of absence of hospitality, which is very kind of part and parcel of the culture that we're living in right now. Hmm. And again, I think you get this. Um, there's nothing really French in you, but... There's some kind of semblance. You got this. You understand this. And I just, this was very new to me. But I mean, I remember praying in the room. The peacocks are kind of screaming outside. And I was sitting there and I was just like, this is so peaceful precisely because we're able to embrace the messiness of life, which is kind of concretized and embodied in this place. And all of the priorities are right, which is, it's, it's really about persons. It's about relation. It's about, it's a place of prayer. It's a place of quiet. Um, and I was, it was just so moved by the fact that I was like, I want my life to be like this chateau. I don't want it to be like the kind of the cookie cutter project that gets finished quick. We check it off. We build the house. Perfect. And then we can go and continue on with our next projects. Mm -hmm. So I know you're, I know you got some things to say on this. Oh yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Honestly. Am I communicating this? This was very powerful. That would be kind of a dream because- you're not really interested in developing a product as much as you are creating um, a uh, a culture around a space. And things kind of move 
in a different way when you're doing that instead of, all right, this is what we're going to accomplish today and we're going to get this done and then we're on to the next thing. It's just like for the French, especially probably in that part of France, it's like, oh, well, we'll get to it, you know, at some point. And and the fact that it's like, you know, they had a million things to do on their quote-unquote to-do list for that day. They had oh, weddings because yeah. they're hosting weddings outside um, on the grounds, which are really beautiful. And all of a sudden this random guy from Rome flies in. They don't know him and uh, his cousin from Paris. And they just like have this amazing, we have this amazing several days together where um, the most, because what I knew is they were excited to just share this place yeah. because they understood this was not, this was not their project. This was, this was something they're handing on to the next generation. Sure. Like they, they would talk about as like the old lady, the, the, the chateau was just this kind of, and so we'd sit in the, there's a courtyard the monastic cloister, originally from the Cistercian monastery, so that's what it's centered around. Wow! And we would sit there and we would, you know, do aperitif and uh, drink champagne. And they'd always had like very specific meats and cheeses, you know, because it's like this is the local, this is the local thing, right. you know. And you got to try this and you got to do this. And we would just sit out there for hours, you know. Yeah. And um, they had a million things that they could have been working on in that house. Carefree timelessness. Carefree timelessness. Love that. And I think that at the end of the day, at the end of this dissertation project, it was this un, it was an unbelievable like testimony back against the fact that um, we have to get our priorities right. I think we do that from time to time uh, when we just set up camp and we don't have anything to do except we're going to play some games, we're going to drink some beer, we're going to cook at some point, we're probably going to need to wash. Um, get a fire, sleep, begin again. Yep. You know, and I, I have learned enough about myself that I enjoy leisure where I don't have to do a whole lot and I don't have a whole lot scheduled, but I have freedom to be able to partake in however I want yeah. uh, from that day. So, uh, yeah, I mean. It's good because, yeah, I mean, it goes back to some themes that we've been talking about before, but namely, you're not in control. Everybody wants to be in control. And and in that, like, they've kind of forfeited control, but they're happy. They're working on something. It's not like they're bums. But they're also not like, it's got to be done today. They're able to prioritize for the sake of the person or persons. Right. I, I just think this is... Yeah, I mean, there are a number of people like yourself who just kind of get this intuitively, but this was pretty radical for me. And if I was in a parish, it would be it wouldn't be the dissertation; it would be the building project. That's like I have to get this done. Like, the, and this becomes it mm-hmm. becomes the monomania of like I have to build this and I have to fix this and I have to perfect this. That was that's what it was is the dissertation, and then I can enjoy people, and then I can share that with other things. This you know. is coming out next week. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can say this. Um, Are you announcing a building project? No. uh, Next week, um, I'm setting aside time to take a staff member who's new. So I have a new uh, youth director, Jane Dixon. Um, She's the director of youth ministry. And then her assistant, um, not assistant to the regional manager, but assistant (laughs) regional manager, uh, is a guy by the name of Zachary. Um, I I have a – we're going to take him out to lunch. And I mean, like, it's a business lunch, but like, I want to make sure that he's taken care of. And I'm taking to him too. 
I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things that are important. Yeah. I got to make sure I don't spill the beans because he may not. He has friends who listen to the podcast and they're going to say something to him about it. But. Yeah. Well, let me but give. That's the most important thing is you is. want to welcome persons, not just finished projects. You do this. And, and Goble, you li- you've been living this for years and I've been inspired by it. I also despise it because there's just crap everywhere, including on this table right now. And nothing's at right angles. Have you ever seen Stockenblocken? Have you ever seen that? Coop always thought I'd be really good at that. Conan O'Brien had this fake German um, game show called Stockenblocken, where you have to, you have like thirty seconds to square things at right angles. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> and then they miss it, and then they come up and yell, and German shepherds attack the people. It's very funny. But um, yeah, I mean, like this yeah. house is, an, is is very is kind of an embodiment of the chateau, and I, that's what I oh, wanted yeah. to talk with you about. And I want to tie it into two different things because. One night I was given, uh, I was uh, saying mass to them, and I I tied it into the rule of Saint Benedict, because I was like, this was Benedictine Cistercians who were living in this these grounds for a thousand years, um, and hospitality is deeply connected to the uh, yeah. to the Benedictine life. Like it's it's a deep kind of intuition and part of the the life. And this is chapter fifty three of the rule of Saint Benedict. This goes back to the sixth century. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. For he himself said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Proper honor must be shown to all, especially to those who share our faith and to pilgrims. Once a guest has been announced, the superior and the brothers are to meet him with the courtesy of love. And then he goes on to explain more specifically the way that they are to embrace it. But guests are to be received and welcomed as Christ. When I've showed up here and at the Chateau de la Rode, they acted as if Christ was coming into the house. They, they dropped their life they drop their projects. They drop their busyness to say, um, we're going to bring out the best meats. We're going to bring out all of our champagne. We're going to just spend our evenings with you. One night we didn't have dinner till like 11 o'clock. It was like, are we going to have dinner tonight? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is very French. Just gonna, yeah. <laughs> you know, 11? 11 p.m., yeah. But you drank the whole time. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, so I just felt like the... Uh, the work of hospitality, and uh, and again, it's not just the chateau in France. Being home, when I was in Crested Butte last week, um, receiving the hospitality of some of the families up there was amazing. And even this week, being at the Golders Place down in Telluride, um, I, I'm just amazed by how um, how people really do, do extend this and how much they love to extend it. And uh, and I'll get into a, uh, last thing I want to talk about is receptivity, but. Um, a quote from Giassani, unless you have anything on Benedictine hospitality real quick. Well, I would say um, when I went to Atchison for my uh, uh, silent retreat, uh, there was a priest by the name of Father Roderick, and he was just insistent as soon as I showed up, like, can I make sure that you make it to your room all right? Like, can I show you the elevator? Can I show you where you're going to? And he was just, he was attentive to all of these little details without being like, uh, sort of uh, overbearing or kind of nosy or whatever else. Um, whereas I was in Milwaukee, this is the one one of the few negative experiences I had in Milwaukee. There was a chap that was at the front desk of uh, the hotel that we stayed in, and he was very rude, very pushy, and he it was not helpful in the least. And I was like, "You're a hotel, like you're supposed to." Right. Be in the business of hospitality, and I would not, I would not want to stay in this place ever again, because of how poorly this guy was. And 
this guy doesn't do this for a living. He lives hospitality. That's the difference. This guy does his job, and then he goes and does whatever. Right, right. Father Roderick actually lives hospitality, and he he wants people to feel welcome in his home. Right. So, I think that hospitality is, uh, yeah, it's a deeply Christian intuition because of the nature of the dignity of the person and the person as community. This is a line from Giussani uh, from The Risk of Education. He says, hospitality means to allow others to be part of our lives. Uh, to, to allow others to be part of our lives. After the sacrifice of one's life, hospitality is the greatest sacrifice, so much so that we find it difficult to be true hosts. We cannot even welcome ourselves. A true imitation of Christ consists in making others part of our life. Mm. And I can honestly say, to make you more uncomfortable, that you have lived that here. And uh, I haven't, I've been kind of homeless for four years. And when I would come back... Uh, Gobes would allow me, he'd give me a space, at least a couch, depending on how many people were living here. But it was always the sense of like, come in here and be a part of our life. It just, you create a space for somebody to come into. And it takes a lot of work because what people don't see, and maybe your parishioners don't even see, is that, yeah, you could be punching out a lot more time in the office or more confessions or these things, um, producing a lot more. But because you're creating a home and you're allowing people to come in, that means you're here and that means you're cooking the meal for them because you know they like whatever, chicken parm. You're buying their favorite bourbon. Um, yeah. you're, doing, you're doing the laundry because they just came through, blasted through here. And uh, so I just think that the, the sacrifice, this is amazing language from Giussani, the sacrif- after the sacrifice of one's life, hospitality is the greatest sacrifice, so much so that we find it difficult to be true hosts. We can't even welcome ourselves. And I think one of the, and this is kind of a final thing because I know we're running out of time here. The reason why hospitality is such a great sacrifice and why it's so difficult for us is not just because we, I don't think it's just because of a lack of generosity. Like people think like that. We're not hospitable because we don't, we don't have time or we don't want to be generous. It's because in our modern culture, we hate being receptive. I think that's the real reason why we don't like hospitality and why we don't extend it to others because we don't want to have it extended to us. I felt extremely uncomfortable that Violaine had to come all the way to the Toulouse airport, pick us up, drive us all the way back, show us, give us the entire night, cook us dinner, host us, and then the next day take us to Carcassonne for a full day trip, um, come back, dinner, and then take us to the airport on our final morning. I was just like, this is just, she just lost three days of her life, like nothing. Mm-hmm. She loved it. I know she loved it because she wanted to share and she wanted to bring us into her life. But I felt uncomfortable because I don't like to receive, right? Because I'd rather do. Yeah, it's hard because, I mean, oftentimes I think some of my staff just think that I'm just sort of off doing my own thing. And, you know, and uh, I had two sisters, two Franciscan sisters, Sister Alicia and uh, Sister Kate. Uh, I've known Sister Kate since I was at U of I. Um, And uh, they came into town and I said, do you want an experience or do you want good food? They said, we want some good food. Sister Alicia That was a smart decision. They said that. uh, Uh, Otherwise, it would have been Casa Bonita, right? Maybe. Okay. Sister Alicia uh, won Chopped many years ago. Oh, wow. So uh, on Food Network. Anyways, but I took them out to lunch. Why? Because I want them to come back to Denver and say, we had such a good time. We had a great experience. He took time. He made sure. Sister Alicia, God bless her. She was having some... She was having some stomach issues. Um, she needed some ginger. 
So we had to drive to King Supers, made sure she got some ginger beer, got her some ginger tea, tried to get her some gin gins. She wouldn't, she didn't want them. And then I took her up to uh, whatever, uh, Cabrini Shrine. I saw Jeff Lewis, Megan McCartney's husband, uh. and I paid him two coins and I said, I will, you know, take care of her. I will pay you back whatever you spend. <laughs> I will pay, you know, on my return. And, um, you know, people, people want to be cared for. I mean, tomorrow's reading is actually, well, I mean, it's last week's reading, but it says uh, that you may that you may drink with delight from her abundant breasts. And I was just like, that's a really uncomfortable phrase. And I think part of what I want to preach on is like, we don't know how to receive. We haven't received since we were little babies. When we were little babies, you couldn't do anything but poop, barf, eat, right, and repeat. And uh, that's all you did. And, and people loved it. They passed the babies around. Right. They love it. You spit up. Who cares? And now it's just like, I'm in control. I'm independent. I don't need anybody. And that's dumb. Yeah. Who wants that? Well, here's a quote for your homily tomorrow. This is uh, Father Evan Coop. Shout out not to him because he wow. doesn't listen, but to Debbie Coop, who does listen. Debbie Coop Debbie listens? Debbie Coop listens. Oh, She's yeah. She's a smart lady. Debbie Coop's going to hear this. She likes her shout outs, too. She deserves many of them. But Evan, Father Evan, my old companion in, in Rome... Uh, found this line from Cardinal Sarah, and I'm going to misquote it. Um, if you don't know Cardinal Sarah, African bishop, African cardinal, one of the, I think one of the great churchmen in the world right now, a deeply holy man. And he said in one of his works, uh, one of his recent books, he said, modern man finds it offensive to his dignity to have to receive. Yeah. Um, because the very notion of receptivity is something that's just it's just very abrasive, a very offensive. Uh, you think about our culture. It's like even everything is self-creation now, right? All the way down to gender. I don't know what happened in June, but it's like everything just kind of blew up. It's just like rainbows everywhere. And it's just, it's, oh, I, I was just started. like, this is another whole topic, but I was like, where did this come from? And beneath all of it is like, we don't want to receive anything. We don't want to receive our nature. We don't want to receive our gender. We don't want to receive the concept of marriage. We don't want to receive anything. We don't want to receive our creaturehood. Right, right. I'm not a creature. Right. I'm my own person. But to get to that extent, Christians have to start modeling receptivity in a deep way. That means Marian fiat. That doesn't mean power Catholic Church Inc. anymore. Do, do, do. Build, build, build. Yes, we got to do some building. Yes, we got to care for our, our institutions, but we got to start receiving again. And I think that the Chateau de la Rode, they got their they got their finger on this, and I think the Schloss Goebbels does too. So I'm grateful to that. As someone who spent the last four years building, 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 writing, 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 it was a good check to say, when you go home, don't build your life on activity. Build it on receptivity, and then allow people to extend the hospitality, which will be life-giving for them as well. And hopefully you can start exercising hospitality too because i mean when you were at queen of peace or you were at boulder i mean you were good about that and i think that was hard yeah you know i mean it's hard when you're in rome because either it's feast or famine either nobody's there or everybody's, everybody's there. there yeah and they want you all the time so i mean i don't know i mean i was actually thinking like am i going to be allowed to stay at the seminary house i don't think so i'm i'm having to build a guest room so hopefully you can okay yep but I just got to host nine um, kids from uh, kind of all over Catherine Aaron's crew, and this will be my first shout-out, unless you have anything left to say. No. I think we need to wrap this up. But I got to host them at the Golder Cabin. So it was actually uh, Barb and Steve Golder who are the real hospitality. But I got to host them, and um, 
you know that I didn't get as much reading done as I would have liked to but I had them for two nights and you know what it was so much better it was great and the best thing about it was not just hanging with Connor and Maddie who are both great we took a great picture we took a great selfie but when is their wedding again (laughs) October 5th don't worry they called you no they didn't yeah they did no they didn't Companions are great at communication. They did not call me. Don't great at communication lo- in hey. the in the pulpit. You like that? That's my new phrase. Companions are, are great at communicating from the pulpit. Put a put a cell phone in the hand in their caveman. Oh yeah. Where? Well, I don't know. Show me when they called me. All right. Here's the shout out. the The maid of honor at Maddie and Connor's wedding is a girl named Kayla Garshar. G A R C H R A R. From Dolores, Colorado. Do you know Dolores? Dolores? Dolores. You don't know Dolores. It's by Cortez, Colorado. I know Mulva. And Michael Sparks also listens to the podcast. He's from Dolores. I would like to argue that of the three, there's three Catholic families in Dolores, right? And uh, Kayla is discerning of religious vocation. She's in application right now. Daughters of St. Paul. She told me I could say that. And uh, But I was like, per capita, per Catholic, I think Dolores, Colorado takes it, right? If you got three Catholic families and you got one religious vocation coming out of that, wow! You got two podcast listeners for three Catholic families. That's that's like pretty high percentage from yeah, Dolores, Colorado. So shout out to them. Thank you for listening. And Michael, I don't know you, but Kayla, I really enjoyed meeting you. And uh, she was nervous I was going to call her Dolores during the podcast. So that's my only shout out. And then actually a second one to the McCarthys. So the other family that I had in Europe was Claire and John McCarthy up in um, Formby, England. Monsignor John Walsh. This is his home. He loves hanging out with them. They're wonderful. They took care of me for uh, all the holidays. I was there every Easter. I was there last Christmas. Uh, And of all of the experiences of being abroad in the last four years, my favorite ones were being when you felt like you were home. That was that hospitality. And the McCarthys were the best. So shout out to Claire and John. I miss you. And bollocks to that, Claire. That's all I want to say. Lovely. Lovely. Lovely bowl. Um, I wasn't really ready for shoutouts. You got Lori. Lori and Aaron had a great time. <laughs> I accidentally called uh, a girl by the name of Jenna, Gina, on the last podcast. It was Jenna. It's close. Uh, Jenna is friends with Steph Dunbar. Huh. Uh, now Steph Mozareski. Mm. I have no idea what her last name is. Um... Anyways, um, uh, sorry. No, but uh, she was at Madison with Steph, and uh, uh, I was a focus missionary with Steph for two years, and then we came on staff together. And then it was really awkward to be like, actually, Steph was my last kiss. <laughs> Not solicited or advanced upon, but um, Steph... Um, uh, I was wearing a Kiss Me I'm Irish Catholic shirt, which was my first problem because I'm not Irish, but they passed him out at University of Illinois. And so right before I went into seminary, she kissed me on the cheek, and I was like, what was that? And she goes, you're wearing a Kiss Me and I'm Irish Catholic shirt. And I was like, oh, good there you call. Go. So that was my last kiss. Who was that shout-out to? Your last kiss? Well, uh, to Steph, but uh, Jenna was the the girl that, that I was hanging out with at the wedding. Are you sure it's not Gina? They said Gina. Not Gina. <laughs> Um, and then I think I already gave Nick and Jess Connolly from Portland a shout out, so I'm good. I think we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Let's see here. Who do I want to thank for their hospitality? Um, 
My Uncle Tom, uh, he let me crash on, crash on the couch at my grandma's house. That was actually really kind. I called him the day before, and he was just like, yeah, sure, come down. Uh, my mom, uh, both of them, uh, they were so... Okay, so Veronica, my stepmom, she bought me Cracklin' O brand when I went home. That's like one of my favorite cereals. Oh. And she bought it for me, knowing that I was coming home. And uh, I went... And then my dad made full strength coffee. I was like, nice. <laughs> and then my mom, when I was at her house, we were watching the Cubs game and Trevor Williams was pitching, which shout out to Trevor Williams. Does he uh, get a shout out every podcast now? He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And my kind brother of, and my brother has a huge kind of a man bro, bro man. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but Trevor Williams, the, uh, they just adopted a kid. Uh, oh, and they, she was just born, Josephine Marie, good. and almost born on July Fourth. And he was going to name her Lady Liberty. <coughs> and I said, I think you should call her because her name's Josephine Marie. I'm like, you should call her J May. J May. I think that's a cool name. Oh, J-May. That's so cool, man. So uh, no, my mom. We're watching Trevor Williams pitch against the Cubs, and the Pirates are beating the crap out of them. And my mom's like. Do you want a cup of coffee? And it's like 9 o'clock at night. And I'm like, yes, I do. She anticipated my need before I even expressed it. Which is difficult to do with you. That's true. I don't I receive hospitality that. often. No, you don't. So, Have you received the... I'm trying to honor you with, with this podcast as well. You, that was you very that? kind. Okay, I, I, I hope you do it because it. I'm very grateful for that. Four years, I'm back. I'm going to have a home, a little back. bit of a home. and uh, But we're back. Guess who's back? And then to the Back he- again. And then to the Heatons. Because I had an awesome time on July 4th. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Check out the Stanley Cup uh, traveling around with the St. Louis Blues. Apparently, they had uh, their uh, St. Louis Blues service dog eat dog food out of the Stanley Cup the other day. That's disgusting. That's awesome. No. And the Tour de France. Be sure to be watching. Peter Sagan on the lead. All right. Thanks for listening.